Hey everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We have an action-packed episode for you today. I had a great chat with Jeremiah Paparaki, the voice of Wrigley Field. He's the Cubs public address announcer. He talked a little bit about his career, his life, uh, just you know, getting to this point. The Cubs offseason as well and, and how excited he is to call some of these names and check another item off his bucket list, which is calling uh, playoff baseball for the Cubs. And then after that, Andy Martinez had an awesome chat with Carlos Marmel from Cubs Convention talking with a former closer, guy who is a dynamic relief pitcher throughout his time here. So let's get right to the interviews because we have a lot to cover. So first up, Jeremiah Paprocki. All right, welcome in here to the Cubs Weekly Podcast, Tony Andrecki. And we have a special guest, Jeremiah Paprocki, the Cubs public address announcer and the voice of Wrigley Field, a guy that you hear announcing players' names. You're his voice booming out through all of Wrigleyville. Jeremiah, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell me a little bit about just your career, your journey, the, the couple of years you've been doing this job for two years now. We're in 2023, which feels crazy to say still yeah. in February, but uh, you're entering year three. Like, how has how this gone? How have the first couple of years gone? And, and has it kind of hit you yet that, like you said, you are the voice of Wrigley Field? Yeah, it's, it's went by really quick. I uh, still can't believe that I'm entering my uh, third season. Uh, it just seems like yesterday I was going through the whole audition process. Uh, but here we are in year three, and uh, the first two seasons, I think, you know, went went really well. Um, got a lot of great feedback and open arms from the Cubs fan base, and um, that that means a lot, especially being a lifelong Cubs fan and being a part of the fan base and, you know, being put into this, you know, responsible role of now being kind of the, the voice of the ballpark and you know, now on like center stage in some way to Cubs fans and to be able to, you know, get some well-received remarks. And um, like I said, just the, the whole fan base giving um, some open arms to me in that position. And, you know, it's, it's a pleasure. It's definitely something that you work for. And, you know, it's kind of like being a baseball player. You try to work your way up yeah. the levels and then you finally get there and you kind of, get to um, you know reap the the rewards of you know your labors and so it's it's definitely been great how is the job been compared to your expectations like is this what you thought it would be or has it lived up to expectations has it been vastly different like take a little it's, take a it's definitely lived up to its uh, expectations and probably a lot more than I expected at the same time at the same time as well um, because, like I said, being a lifelong Cubs fan, I would go to a lot of games. I would go like two, three times a year. And so I was always in the bleachers and I would, you know, know how the experience on, on game days go. And um, obviously being an, an announcer, aspiring uh, announcer at the time, you know, definitely listen closely to uh, the announcer before me, Andrew Bellison, and his flow and how you know, pregame went to all the ceremonial first pitches and kind of getting a feel for how that goes and kind of trying to incorporate some similarities to that, to, to my style of announcing as well too. And so um, getting the job made it easy in that aspect where I'm like, oh, I know how pregame works. I know how those ceremonial first pitches work, lineups, 
how to call a batter to the plate, pitching changes, et cetera, et cetera. So that, in that aspect, that helped me uh, out a lot to get to the job because knowing the flow obviously makes it easier. Sometimes you can, you know, I do a lot of like high school and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they'll hand you something last minute and you're like scrambling, but at least here, you know, I had a, uh, an idea of what it was going to be. And then obviously it exceeded its expectations um, just based on who I was and how I got the job and being young, getting the job at 21 and being the first African-American in the position kind of set, you know, everything else to the to the moon with, with um, just, you know, being able to experience different things, my mic getting sent into the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame, yeah. um, you know, a whole bunch of media outlets picking up on it and, you know, putting out the, the, the good news on that. And so it was truly a blessing to, to have even those media outlets kind of pick it up and share my story and, you know, people nationwide picking up on it as well and uh, people you know, that aren't Cubs fans, but are also Cubs fans from, you know, either the East Coast, West Coast, or down South, and them also kind of chiming in on the news and trying to give their best wishes to, to my job and all of that was really cool as well, too. You touched on it a little bit, too. I mean, what does it mean to be a trailblazer for you? You know, like you said, the first African-American announcer in Cubs history, but also the youngest. I mean, you were still yeah. wrapping up school when you were there. Like, yeah. what does that mean to be a trailblazer in several different areas like that? Yeah, no, it truly means a lot. I mean, I always, like, you know, growing up was like, if I ever get into a position where I'm in the public eye, you know, I always wanted to be positive and, um, you know, help out as many people and use my like celebrity for good <laughs> in a way. And so uh, it, it was truly, you know, an honor to be able to kind of become this, you know, role model for a lot of people when my story got out there and I got a lot of um, like messages on social media or sometimes I'll get mail from people that are, you know, just, you know, saying, hey, you've inspired me in this way. and. Um, inspired a lot of you know other broadcasters especially at, at a young age where you know they like to connect and say hey I'm you know 18 I'm 20 I'm 21 or I'm just the same age as you and you know hearing your story and and, and knowing that hey anything's possible you know you don't be discouraged by age and, and in a game where it seems like you know you have to have as much experience as possible and you know maybe you're in your you know 40s 50s before you land that um, nice pro gig where it's like you know you work for for most of your 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 prime years as you was you would call it but um, that was definitely you know an honor for sure and obviously means a lot to me personally because I have this you know um, idea of like you know trying to help out as much people as possible especially the peers around me mm -hmm. in my age range and you know trying to inspire them as much as possible to uh you know shoot for the moon for sure uh, i i i was always the person that you know picked up on that model and said you know age is just the numbers you just gotta you know 
you got to work. That's life. Yeah. You know, if this is the career path that you want to go down, it doesn't matter if you're 17, 18, or 21. You know, you just got to, you know, get your hands in there and, and work as best as possible. And um, it definitely worked out for me. So, yeah. And you also mentioned, like, your microphone is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, how cool is that, that you have your name is going to be enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame forever? But, like, your microphone from, from the 21 season, like, what was your reaction to that? Like, how cool is it? Has it even, have you realized and it fully set in yet? Like, how that, amazing is it? That's, that's the crazy thing to me. I, I, I think out of all the things that's happened so far, that's still, like, mind-boggling <laughs> from time to time where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, a, a part of you is in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It's, like, the, the biggest, you know, thing in, in any sport where, you know, just being in a space of Hall of Fame or like around names that are like big names like Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson. And then, you know, here's a little old me who's <laughs> been in the league for, you know, just a year and they, they have my microphone in there. And I went to Cooperstown after the, uh, right before the 22 season. And um, just seeing like what, what I was talking into just the season before and, now it's in such a really big and meaningful place. It's, and, and, you know, even to this day, when people, you know, tag me on social media and they send back like, hey, you know, we saw your microphone, yeah. that's really cool. It's, it's crazy. I, I, I couldn't imagine that when I uh, got the job for sure. And and you, you were like, what was my reaction? Yeah, like, I, uh, do you remember them calling you and stuff? Or they so they relayed the message to to my boss. Okay, and, and he came into the booth and was like, hey, just to let you know, um, at some point, you know, we're gonna switch out mics for you, and uh, you know, you're gonna get a new one, but this one's going to the the baseball hall of fame. And I was oh like, my gosh, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you, how do you react to like news yeah. like that? Like it's, it's like, it was so casual too. He just slipped it in. I was like, nice. <laughs> and you're in work mode uh, too, right? Yeah, you're I'm like, like prepping yeah. for a game. This is this is a game day. I'm prepping for a game too, and I'm up there and I'm like, oh, nice, cool. <laughs> and like, you know, like as time goes on, you're like, oh yeah, no, this is this is really happening. And then when they actually like switched the mics out, I was like, oh. It happened like now it's going over there it's in Ruth and um, I think it was in the off season when they put it on up for display and I, I was like okay yeah no like they're tagging me on social about it and I'm like okay now now it's real it's, it's there and um, you know you get a little emotional at the same time too or you're like you know once again you know all the hard work pays off and yeah. you know you're starting to see it in that sense and um, like I said, just kind of being incorporated into such a vast uh, history of, of baseball. I mean, baseball has been around for so long. Um, and then just to, you know, see something of your recognition being placed upon, you know, all this history of greatness, it's, it's truly remarkable. What's been your favorite part of the job so far? Oh man, I think game days is is the obviously it's what you you kind of live for for yeah. the job is just showing up on game day and um, Wrigley is just such a such a great you know ballpark and has so many great employees and and obviously the Cubs fan base coming in it's it's electric and 
I, uh, you know, I'm already counting down the days for opening day because, you know, you miss it so much uh, during the off season. But during the season, you make the most of the time that you have throughout the season. I, I think, you know, showing up uh, a couple hours before first pitch, getting to go into the press box and, you know, looking out the view from home plate and staring out to the I iconic scoreboard and, you know, getting your little work mode and all that stuff prepared, all the scripts, the, the, the player names. Um, but then I have a, a, a good amount of time where I can go down and go onto the concourse and mingle with the fans and, and, and the guest services, employees and ushers and uh, just kind of hearing a whole bunch of people's stories and, you know, what makes them a Cubs fan, how did they get to Wrigley uh, and, and, and stuff like that. And it's really an honor to, you know, be able to, you know, connect with so many other Cubs fans and, and um you know, just be, be a part of that experience for a whole lot of other people as well, too. Um, and then there was, you know, obviously being in the booth, you get to see a lot of, you know, great games where it's yeah. like, I think last year, I think a, a highlight was, of course, the, the Morrell home run. <laughs> I think that was the really, that was really the first time I truly got to feel the press box shake. <laughs> And I've heard stories about that, but like I, I actually experienced it because it was such a storybook moment where, you know, this kid's coming up for the first time, first MLB at bat, and he just launches it out the park and like everyone's going crazy. You could feel it around you and then you get that, you know, loud vibration from the fans where like you feel it up there. And I think, you know, we've had some pretty cool walk-off moments, but just that, you yeah. know, first at bat alone was like really like a cool moment to to be a part of and obviously from an announcer's announcer's perspective getting to call a whole bunch of iconic names um it's 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 really cool like Mookie Betts coming in with the Dodgers um Albert Pujols even though I've, you know he's a cardinal yeah. you know it's still you know when you you look at the game it's still still cool that you know me getting the opportunity to uh you know say iconic names like that it's uh you know from my perspective as an announcer it's really cool so that that those are the highlights of of the job and you know just a, a few of the many cool moments that i've had uh at, at the ballpark what what do you do for difficult names like i always remember watching games as a kid and Harry Carey trying to pronounce Mark Rodzelanik's <laughs> name was like, you know, uh, you might as well read it backwards. But, like, I mean, there are some names where, like, I, they're difficult, right? A lot of yeah. the lesser, everybody knows a Mookie Bats. It's an easy name to pronounce anyways. But some of the lesser-known guys who have maybe come up or just making their debut yeah. on the opposing team or a guy you're not familiar with, how much practice goes into that? What do you do if there's a really difficult name? Like, how much, how, how do you work on that? Yeah, I, uh, I try to prep as much as possible. And, you know, sometimes... Things happen last minute where a guy's called up like hours before the game or, or a day before, um, but that's where preparation is key. Um, I, I tend to prepare about three days before okay. a homestand, um, and I'll, I'll go through their 28-man roster and 40-man roster and look at both of them and then see like who's active, who could be active if they came off the IL. Um, and then uh, the league sends out a league-wide pronunciation guide. So I'm assuming from the, the communications department, they'll yeah. 
grab all the names and ask their players directly how to phonetically spell out their names and how does it sound. Uh, and that comes in handy a, a lot of the time. Um, but obviously, like you said, there's a lot of call-ups from yeah. time to time, and they're obviously not on that um, pronunciation guide. And so YouTube becomes your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you have to start looking up, like, AAA highlights and seeing how, you know, previous announcers would, would call their name or if they've been up before and coming back from their time up, who was saying their name, how did they say it. Um, and so it, it, it takes a lot of research sometimes, um, but it also helps that me being a baseball fan and, and being well in tune with the sport and, you know, keeping up with all of the, the media outlets and, um, you know, like MLB Network and all that stuff and just being like, oh, okay, I heard it, heard them say it on this show this one day and, um, just being able to relay that information back and, and so preparation is definitely key. For sure when you use when you prepare are you just i kind of envision you like at home like in the mirror like looking at it or like in her car like just saying names out loud <laughs> and using like your announcer voice versus like your regular voice like is that what it what it's like yeah no kind of in a way for okay sure. i uh like obviously going through the names i probably won't like first time around i probably won't announce them in any way i'm just kind of like looking or i might like casually like in my normal voice like say it out and then then you know once I get pretty much all of the names prepared then I kind of like look over them again and look at like which names that I've never said before and maybe like try to feel get a feel for like how I would say it. opposing player names are like it's not there's not too much work to it because it's like you're just gonna kind of introduce them in a Mm -hmm. monotone way anyways because you know we're, we're not, not trying to get the crowd hyped up for that exactly yeah. so uh that tends to you know make things easier obviously the, the cubs call-ups that's where like you know you're not now i'm actually at home like saying their names like 50 different times like how would this sound best Trying to pick like, like the one you like the most, like which one has a nice flow to it. You know, you break, start breaking down syllables <laughs> and stuff like that. And so, um, obviously, like I, I try to, um, you know, envision what it would sound like. Eh, sometimes from a visiting team, more so for for a Cubs player. Um, but that's kind of how I would prepare for that. So during the winter, you just like, you see Cubs rumored to sign Dansby Swanson, you're at home like, Dansby Swanson, <laughs> or like, how does that, I mean, that was my best announcer voice, by the way. I don't have a switch like you, it's I can okay. just flip on, but like, is that what you've been doing, you know, Trey Mancini, like, are you just working on these guys, like, as soon as the Cubs sign them? And not as soon as um, they sign them, um, obviously, now that we're getting a little closer, I yeah. kind of started to kind of mess around with, with certain names, um, but uh, I think it's, for me, like, right now, it's still a little too early, but obviously it's good to kind of envision how you would say it. Um, and so I have some ideas okay. in mind, but I haven't chosen on any of those options for any of the new Cubs that are on the roster now. So, um, you know, I guess we'll have to wait till opening day to see how okay. that would sound. How often do you switch it up? Like, I got to pay attention more closely now, too, to see if you say, like, Christopher Morell's name different in like April versus like September or something like do you change it up a bit as like as the year goes on or it, it depends I mean there is it, there's times where um it really depends on like 
the ball game itself mm-hmm. and what's going on. But I try to stay as consistent as possible no matter what because as my job, I feel like I'm the ultimate hype man. Yeah. And, like, I feel like I have to kind of control the, the vibe of Wrigley itself in, in a way. So I try my best to be, like, the ult- ultimate hype man from first pitch to the final pitch, final out, um, no matter what the situation, if we're winning or losing. I uh, try my best to kind of stay consistent, um, especially with names. I I don't want to, you know, be inconsistent there because that's my job to properly say it on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So I I wouldn't tend to stray away from however I say it the first time. Um, Gotcha. There might be, there might, you know, fatigue plays a factor when, you know, you have a long seven game homestand and you get to game five, six, seven and, you know, you might you might not be at a hundred percent vocally at that point, but you know you you still try to push through and and stay consistent. Uh, speaking of the offseason signings, so Dansby Swanson obviously signed here. You also do work for Chicago Red Stars, the yes, soccer team yes. in town, uh, and Dansby's wife Mallory plays there. Do you have a Do you have a goal uh, this year to try to call like Dansby? And it would be really tough, but if there's like a day game for the Cubs night game for the Red Stars to try to call Dansby and then go call the game where his wife is playing in later? Yeah, so that's that that's really cool now that there's that, you know, small connection yeah. in a way where uh, having both, having the, the pleasure to announce for both teams uh, and then that small connection where Dansby and, and Mallory are, are now a married couple um, and in the city of Chicago at the same time, um, it, it's, it's, it's really cool to see how that's going to play out. Um, but there's last season, the, the 2022 season was my first year uh, announcing for Red Stars. And obviously, I had the Cubs job at the same time. So there were a few instances where um, Cubs games would overlap Red Star mm. games. And so um, even with the, the day and night, where Cubs would play at 120 and Red Stars play at seven, it's tough if Cubs are first because baseball's not time. Right. And so you kind of have to factor in the possibility of like, what if there's a weather delay? What if we go into extra innings? Wrigley Field to SeatGeek Stadium is a very long drive. Oh yeah. So it's there's there's so many factors that you know make it. A little risky to go from Cubs to Red Stars on the same day, um, so they have a backup in place okay. for those situations. Now, if it was Red Stars first, let's say Red Stars played at one, and Cubs were seven oh five, then probably I could try to pull something like that off because I know if Red Stars start at one, more than likely they're going to be done at three since soccer is ninety minutes, mm-hmm. but you get a factor in halftime. And then drive back up north to Wrigley and make it in time for my uh, op- opening pregame announcements for a, a 705 game. So hopefully that's possible. I still don't know the Red Star schedule yet. Okay. So I have to still wait and see what that would look like schedule-wise. But it'd be really cool if I could make it work, where I could say Dansby Swanson in 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 the day or evening and vice versa for uh, Mallory Pugh or Mallory Swanson now, yeah. uh, depending on what she chooses to go by. Um, I know she's on Team USA and she went by Swanson, so I assume that moving forward she would do the same for 
you know, her time on the Red Stars. I actually made the trip last year from Wrigley to SeatGeek Stadium on the same day. It was like a Saturday afternoon, uh, Cubs game, Saturday night, Red Stars game. And I didn't get there until about like 15 minutes into the game. Oh, yeah, so, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It was tough. It, it could be risky, unfortunately, yeah. um, for me. But, <laughs> yeah, um, especially with prep and anything you need to do. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And like you also have to factor in like I don't talk at kickoff, I talk like maybe a half hour before. Right. So you got to right. the the pregame and all that stuff. You got to factor that that stuff as well too. So unfortunately, timing wise, it, it sucks. But you know, hope, like I said, hopefully there's a, a chance where maybe Red Stars are first and Cubs are are later. And I feel like they'll it'll work then for sure. That'd be pretty cool for sure. Um, what do you make overall of like the Cubs offseason and like uh, what are you looking forward to about the year of you know adding Dansby Swanson? But then they've added a bunch of names this year and should be a lot of new names for you to say, but a mm-hmm. lot of new names for fans to to cheer for and you know get the Cubs back to winning ways. Yeah, I'm excited. I think this was a really good offseason. We got some really great additions, um, and obviously I'm looking forward to the season to start to to see how well we do, but. Um, obviously, it's still early to tell, but I, I really have good hope that we'll be contending in in late in late of the season, and you know, let's let's shoot for some October baseball, and hopefully, I could get some uh, playoff games in for the first time. Yeah, so that's got to be on your bucket list. Right? It is, like, it yeah. is. Postseason baseball, man. October. I'm I'm. Uh, that's one of the things that's still on <laughs> on uh, my uh, you know bucket list of you know, announcing, but uh, I know we'll get there. Sounds good. Well, Jeremiah, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing a little bit of your story with us. We really appreciate it here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me again, for sure. All right, we really thank Jeremiah for his time. That was awesome to hear a little bit about the inside baseball of how his job is at Wrigley Field, how it came to be, his interactions with fans and with players and stuff like that. So very cool. We really appreciate that time from Jeremiah. We're going to take a quick break here with a word from our sponsor, when we come back, Andy Martinez will sit down with Carlos Moss. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? Wait, what? I'll take $300. $300. Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Everybody, Andy Martinez here with Carlos Marmol, the longtime Cubs reliever. Carlos, it's good to see you. What's it like being back in Chicago? How, how excited are you to be well, here in Chicago? First, first of all, it's good to, to be to be back in Chicago. I mean, I miss, I miss the city. I miss the team. I miss everybody. Yeah. I want to talk about you as, as your career. You came up as a position player when you first signed a, a professional contract, and then you transitioned to pitcher. What was that kind of like going from from a position player to becoming a pitcher? Well, it was hard though because stuff because at the transition like like a little difficult, you know. And, you know, ten guys that I that I can put them in that position and the Cubs to give me the opportunity that to be the successful that I that, that I did. Was was it difficult because you grew up playing a position and you that's what you wanted to be? Like was was that what made it tough? Oh yeah, because uh, at, at that time I would love uh, hitting, catching, play play position players. You know, that was tough. Yeah. What what did what did you who did you look up to growing up playing? Like what what did you want to be when you were coming up as a player? 
Well, I was like his player. I want to be the, the, the good catcher in the big league, you know? Yeah, you want to be a catcher. Yeah. And so did that make the transition to pitching a little bit easier that, hey, you know, I kind of have an idea of what to do for, for kind of? No, man, I was, uh, I was <laughs> tough, though, because, you know, you got to change everything, uh -huh. mechanic and everything, and your mentality, too, you know? That's, that's what's tough. Well, what about the mentality? Did you have to change? Well, like like the position players, like it's not that easy. But I mean, the pitchers, I would stop because you got to change mechanics and mentalities and how to learn how to throw a strike, how to learn how to throw a breaking ball and stuff. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself throughout the process of, of going and becoming a pitcher? Well, the, the guys, the guys before that, that I have the the Cubs have before that. They got a, they give me an opportunity that I had to learn it from them, they how to pitch. And then in 2007, you went from a starter and you became a reliever and you had a, a ton of success. What was that like? What do you think triggered that success? Well, they give me a little time because uh, they got to get used to the, how to, how to throw, how to, how to pitch how the, the bullpen. You know, when you're yeah. starting, you kind of like, you know, a little stuff, you know, like kind of like, well, you're going to throw less more pitching, but I mean, you got to be successful. Yeah, and then the one thing that you were famous for is that, that slider, you know, really, really good slider. How did the pitch come about? Like, what, how did the grip come about? Who worked with you? How did that pitch kind of become what it became? Well, I did it myself, though. I, I, gri <laughs> I gripped the balls, and the balls started getting moving. I, I can continue the throwing. Yeah. I got good success with my sliding. What, what did coaches say? Like, what was the feedback you got when you started using it? He was. They were happy though, yeah. <laughs> because the that I can throw for a strike, the breaking ball, and they got good move. And he was. They, they were happy. Do you think once you added that, it, it kind of changed what you could have become as a pitcher? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that was the case? Because because that guy could earn and good breaking balls. I, I, I think that was, that was okay. How often do you think you threw it? If you had to guess. I mean, nowadays they have the stats that tell you how much, but how often do you think you were throwing that slider? Well, I was throwing a lot <laughs> because I got good success. Like, are we talking 50%, yeah. 60%? Uh, maybe 70%. <laughs> That's awesome. There was a time in your career that people would say you were effectively wild. Do you think that kind of benefited you, like in a sense, that, 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 that uh, saying? Man, I don't know about that time. I don't know what happened because <laughs> I, I, do, I do my best to be short trying do the, my, my best and the, the mom, you know. You were part of teams, uh, Cubs teams that, you know, had a lot of big name players and, and a lot of success. Was there, success. Was there a, a teammate that you leaned on during during your time there that maybe you learned from, that, that you look up to, that, that you could go to if you had a question, if you had, if you wanted to work on anything? Well, you don't, you're not, you're not going to believe me because I, I want players that I, that, that I, I learned from that. He didn't, he not, he not pitch. He was the bird. It was a Robin Ramirez. What, what did you learn about him? Uh, asking everything about, about pitch. He answered my question. He, he told me what I do. Like, like what? Like, do you remember like, a specific instance when? Yeah, he told me, he told, he told me that what I throw and between, between the pitch and the pitch. Do you think having a hitter like that helps because you know what they're trying to do against you? Yeah, that's a, that's a big, big, it's a, what, that was a big thing for me. What about some of the other pitchers that you worked with? What was it like being a part of part of some successful teams with, here in Chicago? Well, you know, trying, you know, like 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 my position. I mean, I got a lot of, I can't, I can't remember all, all his names because, you know, you ask him, like, old guys and, every, and everybody in the team, you know, you 
trying to talk on everybody. Do you think when you were playing, you would have liked to have been using the closer role a little bit more? I mean, in, in was in 2009 or 2010, you had 38 saves and you had 34 in 2011. Did you like that role? Did you think you could have had a little bit more success there? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, though, you know, thing hopping, thing, you know. I try, I, like I say, I, 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 I did it, try my best, you know, the team works. What, what about the ninth inning, or what about being a closer? What's that moment like? I mean, everyone talks about the three the, the three final arts are the hardest to get. Well, it's the hardest to get, you know. Sometimes you get, get, get in trouble, sometimes, you know, but they're hard. I mean, we have fun after the, the, the three out. Yeah. What, what uh, Was there a moment, was there a save that sticks out that you, as your time as a Cub, that, you know, that was my favorite one. Like, I wish I could do that one again. I guess, yeah, I, I can't remember because I got, I got a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of good innings in there, a lot of, a lot of good moments. As a pitcher, who is the toughest batter you faced? Well, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of hitters. <laughs> I guess, uh, what was uh, Molina for the Colonel? Yeah, what, what so, made him so tough? Oh, man, he's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just had good numbers against you? Yeah, good numbers, yeah, I, I can't get it out. Um, Tell me, what's it? I mean, we we've all been to Wrigley Field. We've seen Wrigley Field, but none of us have actually not many of us have actually gotten to pitch at Wrigley Field to be at Wrigley Field like you have. What's it like when you're at Wrigley Field? What's it like with the fans? Talk talk to me about the emotions in, in that moment. Man, the, the the fans is incredible here. When you're doing good, they love it. I yeah, mean, they always love the place, you know. But I mean, getting getting the the night dinners, this is more the the, the most. It's personal that I got. You, you were on some successful Cup teams that were trying to, you know, break the curse of the Billy Goat. How much were you aware of the, the curse or the, the drought, and how much did you guys talk about that when you guys were playing? Well, we talk a lot about this, especially when the guys are like, you know, like Soriano, me, Aramis, all those guys. Man, we try, though. We try yeah. hard, especially the, la the last year when we went to the playoff, uh, I think it's 2008. Yeah. We try hard. I mean, the team's not working. Yeah. Well, so what was your reaction in 2016 when they when they won? Like, did you watch it? What was that like? Man, that? I watched. I mean, I almost cried. I was like, <laughs> I can't. I said, why is that moment not coming to when I was player there, man? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a react to the players, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fans. Yeah. See but, how to how feel that like being the city. Yeah. The winner of the worship. Very cool. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for joining the Cubs All Weekly right. Podcast, and we, we appreciate spending right, some thanks. time with you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Check out future podcasts. Spring training's right around the corner, so we'll be talking spring training storylines, and we still have a bunch of interviews we have from Cubs convention, guys like Ted Lilly, Miguel Montero, Darwin Barney, and John Lieber. So you're definitely going to want to catch those. And also check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. Thanks again for tuning in and listening and watching.